It is Memorial Day weekend. My name is Bo Matthews, and I hope you are going to be able to grasp every moment of this holiday weekend and enjoy it for what it's meant to be. For some, it has been a milestone to finish up with school for the young children all the way up to the seniors who graduated in such an abnormal way. But congratulations to all graduates as you focus on what your next move is going to be. It's been neat to see some of the TV programs and Instagram and Facebook parties that are going on, uh, the parades that are happening around town for you know different graduates. It's, it's heartfelt uh, you know, to see all these people getting involved to try and make it the best experience possible. Of course, every time we get to this time of the year, uh, and I think about you know the seniors that are you know now at that moment in life going, okay, what am I going to do next? Am I going to go and continue my job that I'm after? Am I going to be an entrepreneur? If I'm going to go off to college, uh, you know, there's still lots of questions on how this country is going to look in three months or six months, and so it's it's interesting because it takes me back to my high school days and my graduation as well. Because shortly before I graduated, I was on the phone with my father just uh, three months before graduation because I worked in my mom's donut shop. So, I mean, I, I literally could have had a career, you know, continuing her dream of having the restaurant uh, donut shop really more than anything. And I could have stayed on, but I kind of had a dream of maybe being uh, in, in the military. My father spent 47 years with the Air Force. 24 in uniform, 23 in uh, in a suit, uh, working civil service with the Air Force, was stationed over at Scott Air Force Base. That's actually why I came to St. Louis in 1988. But I, I was on the phone with him three months before graduating high school, and I said, you know, I think I want to follow in your footsteps and maybe, you know, pick a, a branch of the military. And he flat out said, you're not military material. He said that to me, and I, and I was actually very thankful for it. But I said, well, maybe, maybe a police officer. Maybe I want to be a police officer. And he said, eh, it's kind of the same thing. And I was like, okay, okay. Well, I knew I was gifted with this uh, big booming voice because I I had done theater and singing and stuff along with my wrestling and, you know, my short football uh, career in junior high. But I knew I had this voice and I could maybe do something with that. So then I started looking into uh, radio and television broadcasting. And obviously that was the trajectory I was on and, and it's worked out. But I did promise my father that I would always support the police officers and I would always support our military no matter what, and I've continued to do that. And, you know, this is a, a, a tough weekend because Memorial Day is really um, about the military members that we have lost. And so uh, I, I also think about, you know, the family members that I've lost, lost as well. So I, I really hope you can take part of this weekend and, and focus on the real reason that we have, you know, this holiday weekend. But it's, it's also, a, you know, a, a transition from springtime into summertime. Lake of the Ozarks, business is booming. And actually, it started booming well before the state got opened up and uh, well ahead of Memorial Day weekend. A few weeks ago, I was talking with a friend that lived down in uh, Lake of the Ozarks or living there while, uh, you know, uh, working uh, through, you know, the computer. I figured, well, I'll just go to the Lake of the Ozarks and be down there and work from there. And that's what he's done. But uh, even a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, he was like, we went to restaurants. We were in the bars. People were a foot away from us. No masks. I don't know. Maybe, maybe when you're at a vacation destination like that, maybe you don't have to worry about the germs. That's not that's not true. We should all be safe and wearing our face masks and keeping our self-distancing. 
But, you know, hopefully you can take some of this weekend, whether you're going to stay at home and work on projects like what I'm probably going to do, or if you are uh, doing the lake thing, uh, be safe and, and have a blast. But, man, Lake of the Ozarks is hopping. They've, uh, they've got so many businesses that are cranking down there. I see listings of bands that are playing down at some of the bars down there. So it seems like business as usual. I don't know if the Party Cove is going to be what it used to be. I've, boy, I've, I've had some memories of the Party Cove. Have you done the Party Cove before? Yikes. Okay, that, that, that's not for the faint of heart. Uh, it was quite the experience. I was a guest on somebody's houseboat many years ago. Um, but, boy, they, that's the right name for it, the Party Cove. And I guess there's probably several of them. And heck, I've even heard of uh, some party coves over in the Illinois side. Pretty much anywhere there's water, you can find a few boats tied together and partying. Hey, coming up on this show, we've got uh, we've got some special guests, including a representative from the Boy Scouts of Missouri. Because yes, they've even had to refigure what they're going to do with not only the Scouts but their families during the summertime. That's going to be great for you if you are uh, stressing about student loan and and repaying those student loans, or maybe you're getting ready to go off to college. You're thinking, wow, what's this going to look like? Also, business managers that are hopefully enjoying their holiday weekend are still thinking about how are they going to get their companies up and running. We're going to talk to some professionals in that world as well. Coming up next, though, we're going to check in with a buddy of mine down in Florida, Deerfield Beach. My old buddy Billy Combs Jr. has been trying to get me to buy a smoker. Now, I haven't done it yet. He keeps pushing. We're going to talk to him and his experience with smoking meats next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Smoking meats, meats, meat like a brisket. I'm making meats now. It is Memorial Day weekend, and it means cooking out, right? Well, I'm a gas grill guy, okay? I just don't have a lot of patience. When I pull up to a restaurant, if there's people out the door, I'm not waiting. I, there's too many choices in the world, and so I don't like to wait for food. If I pull up to Home Depot or Lowe's and there's a line, I drive on, even if I got to go get something in an emergency. But here's the here's the challenge. I understand smoked meats are phenomenal I love them myself. I, that's why I go to Super Smokers and, and, and all the other great barbecue restaurants around here. But I got a buddy of mine uh, down in Florida. We've been friends for over 30 years, and our, our history goes way back. And I didn't even realize the guy could cook until recently, and he's actually been cooking a lot for the last 15 years. Please welcome to KMOX, my buddy, Billy Combs Jr., otherwise known as Wyoming Slim. How you doing, Billy? It's- I'm good. I'm good. It's going to happen. I'm going to talk you into this. I know you're fighting me on it, but you're going to listen to me and you're going to understand <laughs> how wonderful this is going to be. It's going to change your life, Bob. I'm telling you, I'm so excited for you. To this point, though, I've always left it to the professionals. Super smokers have been smoking meats for decades and they're fantastic at it. I see the smokers at the at the hardware store. I've seen them on Costco. I've seen them online. But I just don't have, I, see, this is why I do a gas grill. I don't even have time and patience for charcoal because I want to, you know, lick it and stick it and we're on our way. Yeah, you think you think this is going to be difficult. There is a learning curve to this and the learning curve is patience. You just have to wait. I, and in the end, wrap it and continue on with the cooking process. So it just kind of cooks in itself. You know what I mean? It s- makes itself... When you're when you're working with barbecue, you're working with the toughest parts of the meat. Okay. Uh, of any animal, like so, to give you an example: the brisket that goes down the front of the chest on the cow goes to the armpit of the cow. That's a really, really used muscle, so it takes a lot of cooking to get that done. 
So you, you mentioned patience. It takes patience, right? Yes, yes. Every time I've asked God to give me patience, you know what he's done? He's given me a lesson on how to deal with patience by making me be more patient. I, I don't have yeah. patience. So this is why I introduced you, and I can't believe it, uh, a, a couple of months ago to the Instant Pot or Instapot. Yeah. I okay. love that thing. Okay, so do we. And w- my wife uses it all the time. She's a vegetarian, I've mentioned several times. and and But she can, do bake, uh, she can do baked potatoes or sweet potatoes. She can do frozen meat from frozen ribs to, right. uh, to fall off your bone in 14 mi- or 34 minutes or something like that. It is yeah. amazing. And so why wait is my question. Why wait? Right, right. Is it the flavor? Is that, is that really the bottom yeah. line? It is. It is. You have to have penetration of the smoke that goes into the meat. That's what makes it flavorful. Okay. So if you're like brisket or pork butt or ribs or whatever, um, it takes a while for that to happen. You want to cook it low uh, at a lower temperature. Right. So uh, give me an example. We just cooked um, uh, the other day. We just did like some sausages. We just took some bratwurst and threw them on the grill for three hours at uh, 220 degrees. On the grill or the smoker? Uh, on, on the smoker. It's, okay. a, it's a grill slash smoker. This, this is how simple. This is also my grill. Oh, okay. okay? <laughs> it's heat sources, pellets, wood pellets. Okay. It's not gas. It's wood pellets. So everything you cook on that thing has a kind of a smoky taste to it. I love that. But if you want a smoker, that's it too. You fill up the hopper. And you set the you set the temperature, and you walk away, and you're done. It's over. But how you do you? There. But how do you know how long it needs to go? I hear Jeff Fitter and Terry Black of Super Smoker fame say they they do their brisket for 18 hours or whatever. It's like what? Yeah, it's it, it, 18 hours is a lot. Uh, that's a lot. But I, I'm, I'm exaggerating. I'm sure you know. Yeah, it, but you know, you're close. It, it could take 12, 14 hours, really. Um, you just know you you. You, you probe it. You 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 test it for tenderness. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So on a brisket, I'll cook that thing up to, I don't remember. I got it written down. But I'm thinking it's going to be in, in the 200-degree range. So I'll cook it uh, on the smoker for about at about 220 degrees um, for about eight hours. And then I'll wrap it in a butcher paper. Okay. And then I'll continue on. And so... I think it's had enough smoke at that point. So what I want to do is just continue. Literally, I could take it at that point and put it in the oven. It's not going to get any more smoke. It just needs the constant heat. And to break down all of that connective tissue inside the muscle, that makes it tender. Okay. So after the cooking process, so when you've cooked it and you've probed it and and the probe's going in and it's just like butter. You know what I mean? (laughs) Oh, yeah. it's, It's great. Just let it sit there and go, you know, cool and, and rest for two hours. With Unwrap no heat it. at all? It just sits there for no. two hours? Yes. Put it in a cooler. I'd put it in a co- I put mine in a cooler. Just let it sit there for two hours. I take it out, unroll it, pour the juices in from the paper on top of the meat, and slice that baby up and smile. <laughs> and smile. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Uh, okay, but 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 it, okay, but I'm all about fast and now and quick and done. It's not going to happen in it's some not. things, right? How about liquid yeah, smoke? It, liquid smoke on no, ribs in an no, instant pot. No. It's the same it, thing. It's not. It's it's not. <laughs> not even close. Okay. Anyway, okay. I I did. I I undercooked a brisket one time, and oh I was like. Oh, so I tried to throw part of it in the instant pot just to see if it would tender it. It didn't happen. 
you've got to wait. You've got to just hang in there till you probe it. And you will check for internal temperature and stuff like that. You could do chickens in, in two and a half hours. You know, or smoke a whole chicken. Turn the thing on and you walk away and you come back when, you know, in a couple of hours and check on it. That's One thing. That always amazed me about watching my grandmother cook. She she would have everything going at one time, the rolls, the meat, the roast, the yep. potatoes, everything. She'd have it all going at one time, and then all of a sudden, magically, it all is on the table at one time, perfectly yep. timed out, and I've never, yep. ever figured out how she did that. And that that's talent. That, you're dang right. And she was actually a high school uh, head cook, and they actually, that's when they really cooked back in the day with the big vats yeah. and everything. Um, but I gotta know, we're talking to my buddy, Billy in Deerfield beach, Florida. He's a couple of miles from the ocean. Can't go to the ocean. Not yet. Not yet. Um, but, uh, when did you find your, I mean, of course we all love food growing up as kids, but you had a story of being on like the, the, the high chair, the, the step stool next to your mom's stove. I did. Yeah. I mean, I was always intrigued by, um, how my mom could take a bag of flour and make and, and turn it into and turned it into 20 different things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cookies, breads, uh, pastas, whatever. You know, it's all coming from that flour. So um, I, I would. I mean, I was so intrigued in watching things fry. And, and she would drop something into a boiling pot of water. And you know, I would sit there and watch it till it floated. It was just interesting to me. I never really knew how to cook. I mean, it, for, for a long time, my, my, my dad was the cook. My mom was the baker, okay. you know, in the family. And uh, so I, I learned how to cook uh, grilling stuff with dad. You know, this is how you check the temperature on the steak, you know, blah, blah, blah. Okay, you, you know what? This is all about our upbringing because I used to watch my dad barbecue and he'd have a squirt bottle of water yep. to shoot down the flames because he just full blast high and everything was carbone. <laughs> Of course, yeah, Carbone's Dad. fancy nowadays, right? <laughs> so, but Billy, Billy, when did you get serious about cooking? What did you do? Start watching Food Network or something? I did. Um, it was it was Thanksgiving. I was working at the radio station that we both worked at in Orlando. Okay. I was working Thanksgiving Day because that's what you do when you're not that far up the totem pole. <laughs> <laughs> and my wife brought me in Kentucky Fried Chicken for thanksgiving yeah. and i'm like that's it that's it i'm not going to do that again so this that christmas the next christmas i watched a uh, an episode is an hour-long episode everything you need for your holiday cooking from a to z from the barefoot contessa and i did everything that she did in that show and i did it successful everything turned out perfect it was a standing rib rose and oh my god it was, it was so amazing and I was hooked at that point. I had to go get the blenders and the and, and the special equipment, you know, the, the immersion blenders and all. <laughs> I, I had to go get all the toys. And uh, and my wife was loving it because I kicked her out of the kitchen. And, uh, <laughs> she started and, fixing cars for a living after that. <laughs> right. So, okay. So I, I do want to. all the tools, power tools, and I've got all the pots and pans. So I do want to mention that there are some workings going on between you and some production company. There, there could possibly be a television show with yes. Billy Combs Jr., uh, <laughs> Down the road sometime, whether it's a YouTube or on a, on Food Network or whatever, they're, they're, you're in the works right now, right? We had a big meeting today. Oh, good. Uh, I met him for lunch, yep. And it, it's moving forward. We got uh, we got five episodes of locations that we're going to be uh, filming in. And, uh, good so, for you. I mean, yeah, we got about 10 episodes we're going to start shopping around. And then it's going to be on YouTube, too. But 
Yeah, we're going to have some fun with this. It's going to be great. Okay, we'll keep an eye on that uh, trajectory. And uh, I'll, I'll, here's here's my promise. I'll do some homework over the holiday weekend because I don't have patience to do my, right. my Memorial Day cooking on a smoker because I don't know what I'm doing yet. But I'll do right. some homework and, you know, maybe for Father's Day. Maybe my wife will get me a smoker for Father's Day. Buddy. We got video chat now. I can show you how to do this. <laughs> There's no excuse. Okay. Go, now, get the, go reach down in between the couch cushions, find your 300 bucks, and go get a smoker. Bell okay. Smoker. Now, 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 Erica is a vegetarian. Can you can you smoke veggies on a smoker? Sure. Okay. Absolutely, you can. That's, smoked veggies are great. You can also smoke salt and pepper and cold smoke things. I mean, if you're into... Uh, let locks and bagels. You can smoke the salmon, you know, cold smoke it. I mean, it's just so many things you could do with this. It's amazing. Okay. So what did I see? My hillbilly friends down in Mayfield, Kentucky, they would have raw meat hanging in like a, a, a sweat box, hot, a hot house kind of thing. There was yeah. no heat to it. What is that all about? And it was coated it's, with salt. It's a curing process there. Uh, there should, you, you walked in there and there was no smoke smell. Nothing. No, it was just a room. Huh. Yeah, they're just curing meat at that point. It's just, you know. It, it was the saltiest chicken I'd ever had in my life. I mean, I didn't, oh, I ate oh. it and I was fine, but I mean, you know, my blood pressure went a little crazy at that point. <laughs> that's hillbilly cooking right there. That's right, baby. All right. <laughs> Billy Combs down at Deerfield Beach. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. Thanks for the advice and the push to get a smoker. Anytime, buddy. Anytime. <laughs> All right, I want to say a hats off to all parents and grandparents and family members that have been involved with helping their kids uh, do their homeschooling during this pandemic that we're all experiencing. But I think most schools are closed at this point, right? That's that's the good news. But now you have summer. Now what do you do? Well, stick around. We've got a special guest coming up from the Boy Scouts of America. And it's not just for the boys. Listen up. The Boy Scouts of America have properties all over our area. And we're going to find out how they're going to open up those for families to enjoy. It's coming up next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. We're the Boy Scouts of America. It's The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. And as Missouri and Illinois, you know, attempts to reopen certain areas, I, I heard good news about June and how some of the pools in the county are going to be opening up. And, you know, there's still a lot of questions out there about your favorite activity, whether it's a county fair or something like that. Uh, but, you know, then we talk about the children in our community. Their, their lives have been, you know, turned upside down with, you know, school from home. And they've been, you know, for the most part, it's not, it seems like they've been doing fantastic with that. But there are great organizations organizations that have also been working behind the scenes to prepare for the summer and beyond. And one of them is with Greater St. Louis Area Council of Boy Scouts of, um, of America. And I've got on the line, Ron Green. Ron, welcome to KMOX, sir. Thank you, Bo. You guys Thank have you been you have been working hard to uh, make this uh, come around. And boy, uh, you know, always be prepared is one of your mantras, right? Well, uh, how are you preparing for uh, the next phase of this uh, this country we're living in for the kids? Well, right now we've done a complete shift. We had hoped to run our regular Boy Scout and Cub Scout camps this summer, and in fact, we waited until the last minute. Um, before we made the decision that it was probably not the wisest thing to do. Mm -hmm. And so what we've done is we are concerned about the children out there and want them to have a healthy outdoor program. So we're opening our camps. We've got 
nine properties with almost 9,000 acres in the St. Louis area, Southeast Missouri, and Southern Illinois. And so we're going to open those up to families to sign up and camp on an individual family basis where they can get outdoors. Um, We can assign them times and parts of our camps, and they can on their own go out as a family, hike, bike ride, um, picnic, enjoy the great outdoors. They can stay overnight or just for the day. And they can, um, in some of our camps, we have lakes for fishing, boating, uh, kayaking, paddle boarding. And so our our goal really is to um, not just do things virtually, you know, too many of our children have been inside doing schoolwork and everything else on their computers. Right, right. And and our goal is to hopefully provide a venue seven days a week where families can sign up and um, get out, um, get exercise and enjoy the outdoors. Uh, Ron, uh, Ron Green is who we're talking to from the Boy Scouts of America, Greater St. Louis Area Council. Ron, uh, in normal times, like let's say last year or 10 years ago or whatever, were those nine uh, properties, were they mainly just for the scout leaders and the scouts? Has it ever been open to the family like this before? It was mainly for the scouts and the scout leaders. And so this year, that's one of our new opportunities is to extend that not only to scouting families, but we have um, we're opening it also to other families that would as long as they follow the safety rules with social distancing and others um, that we get them outdoors. We also have been doing quite a bit in place. We've created day camp kits that are available for families where um, the kit comes with a camp shirt and a patch and it has online video content but then hands-on projects that kids could um, make around this year's theme is uh, Jurassic and it's science oriented but it gives kids things to do um, all summer long. Well, here, here's a question. Uh, at what point of this uh, current uh, condition that we are all living in, did the uh, Greater St. Louis Area Council look at each other and go, okay, we need to do something different? Um, was it was it immediately after the shutdowns began is when you guys started to do the work and be prepared? Actually, it was um, we started planning different options, plan A, B, and C, right, right after the shutdown. But it was actually just in the last two weeks where we decided that it was uh, probably best not to run our camps. So we've um, we're planning, and then we've just implemented that in the last ten days. Wow how long uh, How long have you been involved with the scouts since you were a little guy? Since I was eight years old, so over 50 years. Oh, my goodness. I've I've worked for the Boy Scouts for 38 years and been in St. Louis for nine. Wow. Well, uh, we are so uh, blessed to have you here. Uh, And some of your uh, scout leaders, uh, have they been helping you along with the ideas that you are coming up with for this year? Tremendously. We have almost 14,000 adult volunteers. We had a committee of Um, doctors uh, uh, that are all active in scouting and know our camps, know our program, and they helped us with decision-making and planning so that we can do as much as, as we can safely for our families. 
He is the scout executive and CEO of uh, Boy Scouts of America here in St. Louis, Ron Green. And uh, uh, have you had a lot of interest from maybe families that were not scouting families that are saying, okay, we need to, we need to get the kids out of the house. We need to do it safely. How about the Boy Scouts of America? We've actually just today is the first day that we've announced that it's open to families. And um, so we'll, the interest has been great this morning. And we're hoping that we will use this as an opportunity also to introduce families to scouting so that they can see how their children benefit from our programs. Right. You know, we've got data, right? Uh, Washington University helped us with a study that shows how much better off children are with a scouting experience. Absolutely. Now, uh, I know uh, some of the uh, some of the uh, uh, Boy Scouts uh, groups in my area that I live in oftentimes have barbecues and things like that to raise money. Um, how are the are the bar- barbecues still going to be happening for the Boy Scouts, or is that a, is that holding off for this year anyway? Well, that's holding off right now. We hope as um, we follow local and state guidelines, we hope that in the next few weeks we can allow local uh, packs and troops to start meeting again as long as as long as it's um, safe in their local area. And so we'll be, um, again, working with our medical advisors to um, determine when the best time for that is. But, um, you know, though, we probably are being a little bit more cautious because parents entrust us with the safety of their children. And, um, you know, what we've found in our doctors advised us is right now there's too much unknown. And um, we just want to make sure that as we go forward, we do so with the best interests of every child and, and frankly, their families, because um, we don't want them bringing anything home to of their course. parents or grandparents. Of course, that makes sense. Well, uh, I do appreciate the time uh, in talking on this Memorial Day weekend. If uh, parents uh, that well, parents that are in the uh, scouting community are probably aware of all these things. Uh, for those people that are not connected, what is the best resource for them to get information about their family and how they can take advantage of these opportunities at these nine different properties you have around the area? The best way is to go to our website, www.stlbsa.org. Fantastic. Well, thank you for uh, doing so much good uh, to help shape young minds. And uh, is there an age group that you said you started when you were eight years old? What if I, What if a family has a 12-year-old that has never been exposed to scouting? Uh, is, there, is there an age group that's perfect to, to get into it? Or uh, is it just any age group up to, what, 18? Up till 18. And I'm glad you asked that because too many parents think that if they didn't start when they were younger, (laughs) it's too late. And frankly, you could start at any age and not be behind. So um, we encourage, if you've not been in scouting, we encourage parents to uh, look at our website and um, consider joining. That's fantastic. All right. Well, uh, we've been talking with the scout executive CEO, Ronald Green of the Boy Scouts of America the St. Louis Council, a greater St. Louis Area Council. Thank you very much, sir, and I certainly hope you can enjoy the rest of your Memorial Day weekend. Thank you very much, Bo.
I know. You just want to relax and kick back. I get it. I get it. Me too. But there's some big things that people are thinking about, just like the Boy Scouts we learned. You know, before COVID-19, student loan borrowers were already facing challenges with repayment, with nearly 20% of the nation's 43 million federal student loan borrowers in default and million more behind on their payments. We've got some information that may help navigate that road coming up next for students, former students, and future students. It's next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. It's The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. My name is Bo Matthews. And, uh, you know, during the holiday weekend, hopefully you are able to kick back and enjoy and relax But of course, in this crazy time we're all living in, there's a lot that's on our minds. What's the future going to look like? You know, what's what's going to happen next? And so one of the things that has has come up is before COVID-19, student loan borrowers were already facing challenges with repayment with nearly 20 percent of the nation's 43 million federal student loan borrowers in default and millions more behind on their payments. So this is why I connect with an expert, and her name is Sarah Saddlemeyer. She is uh, our guest. She's the Student Loans Project Director of the Pew Charitable Trust, uh, about new research from Pew with focus groups that offer solutions for where student loan buyers struggle most on repayment. And I have some questions about just universities and uh, attendance and uh, financing of that. Uh, so we're going to get all into all that. So welcome to St. Louis on KMOX. Sarah Saddlemeyer, how are you? having me. Well, thanks for the time. Let's let's start off right away about what did Pew's focus groups discuss with the student loan borrowers of the of the country? That's a great question. So we talked to 150 people across eight states and really we're trying to provide insight to policymakers, you know, during and after the national emergency that's going on right now. They really need a clear understanding of the points within the repayment system where borrowers are falling off track. Oh, yeah. And specific actions that can promote successful repayment. You know, so we really heard three important messages from folks. The first is that financial security, or financial insecurity, I should say, really drives repayment behavior. So the repayment challenges that people are facing are the result of unexpected expenses and budgets that are stretched to the breaking point, which, as you can imagine, is even more the case today. The second thing we heard is that borrowers faced a lot of challenges, understanding and enrolling in these plans that exist that are more affordable. They tie people's payments to their income and are a really good bet for people who are struggling, but they're really complex to get into. And the third is that borrowers experience confusion during transition points. So Mm -hmm. entering the repayment system, pausing payments, getting into different plans. And this is important because it tells us that the tools that are available to help borrowers manage financial stress aren't working as they're intended. Especially since uh, the latest news that I heard uh, just within the last few hours was that the unemployment rate, in addition to the the original unemployment rate before the coronavirus began, is now at like 39 million. I think that was the number that I heard. That's 39 million unemployed. Yeah. And so a lot of those people that are, you know, trying, you know, maybe they are new students uh, that obviously have 
student loans, and of course, student loans be pay, you know are paid back over what 15, 20 years sometimes. Um, but even if you're a newbie in the workforce and you now have all already been furloughed or laid off or fired, now what do you do? Uh, and what is what is Congress doing to help that? Have you, have you figured out some of that information? That's a great question. You know, Congress jumped in in March and put in place a series of provisions to help most borrowers. And that allows them to automatically pause their payments and interest charges through the end of September. So this is a really, really important provision because it provides an important lifeline for folks who are, like you mentioned, struggling, maybe unemployed, maybe dealing with childcare, lots of things. But when that pause payment period ends, by our count, about 26 million borrowers are all going to transition back into the repayment system at the same time. And that's a huge volume. So it's important not only for Congress to think about some of these, you know, short-term fixes to really help people get back on their feet, but also about ways that we can reboot the economy, we can reboot the student loan repayment system so that that system is ready for this influx of borrowers when that happens. We are talking with Sarah Saddlemeyer, Student Loans Project Director of the Pew Charitable Trust, about the new research from Pew with focus groups that offer solutions for where student loan borrowers struggle most on repayment and how they can do that again. You know, and it is it is frightening to hear the amount of millions of people out of work right now. And I've got to believe that when the country gets reopened again at whatever point it is, and we're already starting that process now, but hopefully within, I don't know, six months or maybe even 12 months, that a lot of those unemployed people will be back to work, that companies have reinvented themselves or reconfigured themselves, uh, whether it's working remotely or whatever. So hopefully that the student loan payments can start up, you know, hopefully seamlessly when the country is open 100% again. Sarah, what I'd like to ask you now, though, is about future students that are, you know, getting ready to go into college right now, because right now is when the paperwork's being done for student loans and trying to get qualified and things like that. Do you feel that the students that are trying to get into university or college now are going to have a tough time being able to get those student loans that they need? You know, the future, thinking about what's going on in the uh, institutions of higher education and with students. Is really the million-dollar question. Yeah. Uh, you know, these institutions, borrowers, the government are all trying to figure out the best way forward in the state of enrollment and classes and, you know, the financial viability of different colleges and universities really does remain an open question. What I can tell you is that what we saw during the Great Recession is that eventually Many people return to school for additional training, um, especially during, you know, a a poor job market. Right. And they took out loans to do so. And so what our focus groups really highlight is that the people who have difficulty repaying their loans and who have difficulty sort of in the repayment system are more likely to question the value of loans and helping them to facilitate that education. Wow. It's definitely a challenge in all aspects. And as we see companies uh, that are, you know, finding that, you know, people, their, their employees working remotely is so efficient, uh, I would guess, you know, it, it comes to mind, Phoenix uh, Online College was like the first brand that was out there 15 years ago. Uh, you know, do your computer and, you know, do your college on the computer. And now so many more colleges have online courses, so it can be done remotely on your own time. I guess that may drop down the cost of tuition 
uh, possibly in the future. Uh, do you have any, any background or information on that? You know, I can't, I can't tell you, uh, what colleges are thinking and, and you know, it does, it also matters what, what state budgets look like and what federal budgets look sure. like. But the most important thing in terms of student loans to remember is it's actually those who borrow the least who tend to struggle most. Right, right. So people with less than $10,000 in debt, often because they didn't complete a program and so didn't get that return on investment for a college degree, those are the folks who are most likely to be in default. So, so it's important that we're, you know, thinking about not only um, how much debt people are taking out, but also whether the supports are in place for them to repay it. Right, right. Well, it's definitely a challenge, and I, I hope this holiday weekend finds you safe and well and healthy. Um, but Sarah Saddlemeyer, uh, the Student Loans Project Director at the Pew Charitable Trust, I thank you very much for your time. But before I let you go, if uh, if there's a student that's listening or a family of a student that's listening that knows they're behind on their payments. Is there any place that you can send them any website, uh, whether it's government or private, uh, that would help them, uh, you know, kind of plan out the next steps for them between now and what Congress says, you know, is the repayment schedule starting back up in September. Is there a place that people can go to, to find information to help them? Absolutely. People can go to the department of education's website uh, there are lots of tools there, including a really great FAQ resource that has a lot of material around COVID. And people can also reach out to their servicers, which are the companies hired by the Department of Education to help borrowers manage their loans. Okay, wonderful. Well, thank you very much for your time and your expertise. And uh, enjoy the rest of your holiday weekend. Okay, Sarah? You too. Thank you. I truly do hope you are enjoying your holiday weekend, but uh, even in these times of what is normally a relaxing time, people's minds are going crazy trying to figure out how we're going to reopen, how we're going to get these companies going, how are we going to put people in the building safely where we have our employees. Well, coming up next in the second hour, we're going to talk with representatives from Color Art and Steelcase companies. These two companies work together on a regular basis, and maybe they can help you if you're a manager or a decider or an owner of a company on how to do things safely as the country gets back open and get this economy roaring again. It's all coming up on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. Okay, as the country is about to open up or start opening up, uh, I wanted to introduce you to two very important people that really know their stuff. I mean, science database stuff. I've got Sue Harkenhauser. She's the applications consultant at Steelcase. And a dear friend of mine for a long time, Laura Kirk, She's a, a new business at Color Art. How are you ladies today? Doing really well, Bob. Thanks. Good. Great. You guys both uh, are, are on the back end or uh, the pre-end of opening up these businesses in the positioning. Like when this whole thing began, we started seeing the plexiglass walls going up at the grocery store. Uh, and it was crude, actually. It was very crude. Um, but what you guys uh, have been doing and probably been doing it a long time is preparing for something like this. And I can imagine that your stay in place uh, orders quarantining, you guys have been busy trying to come up with ideas or to implement your products and stuff into the workplace. So, uh, Sue, why don't we start with you? Uh, what is your anticipation as we get started opening up the country? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So we've been talking to a lot of organizations about this, and we hear that there's a big range of response. So a lot of the larger organizations are being really cautious, and so they may be thinking of only just 10% on this first wave, kind of the now, yeah. and um, they're really gonna be mindful and watching to see like what works well, where are their challenges, because they have to consider everything from when the person enters their building to going through any circulation, whether it's a stair or elevator, and all the surfaces that they touch, basically en route to where they're gonna sit and work. Isn't it how amazing but, how much we have to check? We have to look at every move a person makes to make sure that they're safe. Exactly, exactly. And so it's really been interesting as we watch different organizations put together their pandemic response team. They're pulling in people from HR, from IT, from risk, from real estate to start to evaluate that. And, and really we don't, we don't have a lot of kind of past reference to pull sure. from. Yeah. So everybody's learning from one another real time. We've been doing a lot of roundtables with our organizations and with our design firms to get a handle on what they think is going to be, you know, the first wave and what's the right amount. Um, and it also depends on location. So we have a lot of companies here in St. Louis that may have he headquarters or have offices elsewhere. Right. So what they may decide to do here in St. Louis may be very different than what they do in New York or in Atlanta or if they have locations overseas. So it's really looking at it from a now, near, and far approach. So the now being like, how do you retrofit what you have? How do you reduce density? How do you change the geometry of the space to keep people from being face-to-face? -face? And any kind of space division that you need to add. I mean, will we have arrows on the floor, like at the grocery store and the hardware store, where you, you know, you got to stay over in this lane kind of thing? Now, uh, yeah. before we go any further, uh, Steelcase, if you could encompass what Steelcase does, just for, uh, for the people that are paying attention to what we're doing here, what is Steelcase? Sure, thanks for that question. Yeah, so Steelcase is a global furniture manufacturer. We're the leader in the industry, and we have locations all around the world. Okay. So, and we also do a ton of workplace strategy research. So we have a team of Workspace Futures researchers around the world, and so they've been paying attention to this early, way early when this was happening in our offices over in APAC. Wow. And then obviously EMEA affected us next. So we've been trying to learn and try to stay ahead of that um, just because of our global presence. Okay, Laura, same question. If you can encompass what color art is, just explain. I mean, I know what you do, but go ahead and explain what, what color art is. Sure, color art is a leading steelcase furniture dealer here in St. Louis. And we've been open for over 70 years now. And we can help everything from move, um, interior solutions, technology. We encompass everything that a company needs. Um, I think you had showed me something last year about these pods or these booths, uh, and and I was even interested in for you know what I do my my recording studio. Do you think a lot of those are going to be implemented in this rollout of the country? Because you know nobody uh, any company wants uh, to protect their liability when it comes to an illness. I mean, if if you work in a you know a, a factory that has paint and there's lead in it, you're going to be there's going to be a lawsuit. So we need to keep our our employees safe. So Laura, if you could speak to how you are helping companies be divided, but yet be together. There's all kinds of things from screens being implemented to um, changing the geometric design of the workplace. Uh, we've recently, you know, we would all work together in these big um, pods of people. And now we're looking at just maybe changing the direction of the workstation, implementing a screen 
different ways of changing up the design of the workspace. I don't know if you've seen this though. It's, a, it's like a big screen that's next to your desk and you can open a window and you see somebody that looks like they're sitting in a cubicle, but they're of course miles away from you. Mm -hmm. It, it's the crazy technology, it really is. Uh, you know, this idea of living on video is definitely going to be our future. And I think you hit on a really in interesting point on that too, is that we all can work from home. So for some organizations, they didn't really realize they could do it. So they had to send everybody home, hurry up, get everybody monitors and get everybody ready and, and up and running on the right platforms. And so we think going forward, kind of that, that near and far, is that there's going to be some kind of integration from a work from home mode. Yeah. There are gonna be people who either have health issues or don't feel as comfortable coming in, or depending on how long this takes before there's a vaccine, a lot of organizations are saying, we're using the measure of the vaccine to determine what our near and far looks like. So to your previous question about the pods, one of the things that we've been studying is that, um, so if we have more people working from home, but then there's a percentage that are still coming to the workplace, they're still connecting remotely. Yeah. So that's where those pods and those smaller enclaves might really play an important role because then you're gonna do more video and you can't do that out in the open without being really distracting to somebody right. else. Right, oh yeah. So we, we think that there's gonna be a real, um, in, the, in the far, and we think about this kind of reinvent or reimagine, you know, we keep hearing from people like, gosh, I really miss everybody. Even people who don't need to be back in the office or people who might have been self-described introverts or saying, you know, like, I really miss the connection, the collaboration, you know, sharing of ideas. So we think that the workplace is going to have a really important role to play in the future, yeah. but it might look really different based on what people need and want from it. The cafeteria or the kitchen area where people are making coffee, usually at the radio station, there's, you know, seven pump coffee maker, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful kitchen. But Lord, does color art work with kitchens or the dining area or the lunch area for people? because that is a fact of what we need to do, and we're all being very careful with our eating habits. Does co color art work with the, uh, the, the, that part of the, the businesses? We can definitely offer services in that area as well, and just insights of what we're seeing out there and what can work for different companies. Yeah. We're seeing that companies have very different um, perspectives on how they're gonna go back to work and how they wanna approach that. Yeah, we're hearing the same. So a lot of organizations are saying, we're going to retool our cafe spaces and our cafeteria spaces for the now and the near. Wow. So they're looking at things like moving away from self-serve, uh, like soda stations, yeah. uh, moving away from salad bars, things that are going to be more prepackaged, grab and go. And then they're, they're starting in that near. So when that first phase of 10 to 20% come back, that people, they ask, bring their own lunch and then eat lunch at their desk. And they're looking at, you know, how might we use those cafe spaces and create distance and could we still let people work independently? So if you wanted to bring more people back, but kind of redeploy those cafeteria spaces for an interim so that those actually could set up for, for work areas. We're always trying to bring information uh, and, and educate our clients as much as possible on how they're going to affect the workplace in the future. To me, color art was all about the decor and how beautiful the offices office spaces look the cubicle farms are they going to still be a thing uh you know I, I think of the cubicle farms at like apple uh where you know you see thousands of people and and all these people working well now of course everybody's working from home i was on apple care the other day talking to them and everybody's working from home i don't know if that was the way before COVID 19 but it is certainly now and it could be for the future uh, it's just yeah. crazy times
It's such an interesting challenge, yeah, because there had been this shift to more collaborative spaces, yeah. a lot more cross-functional team spaces that, that were moving away from the kind of that cubicle farm environment. And so the, the workplace is becoming really dynamic and really interesting, and you were talking about some of those amenities. And so that's the big question that we're looking at and asking is, like, how do you still um, create collaborative spaces that are safe and people feel confident in using that, um, those spaces? And we know that uh, employers are going to be looking to their employers to say, you know, how, how can you assure me that this is going to be a safe environment? But every, every organization is a little bit different. Yeah. You know, some people own their own building. So they have a lot more control of from car to door to circulation to desk. But others may be leasing a space within a multi-tenant building. And they may have people who are coming in, you know, using Metrolink or whatever um, to, to access. So those who are in multi-tenant buildings, now there's a new kind of pressure on the landlords to meet the criteria. I mean, it's just very complex. And does it land on the landlord or does it land on the, the company? Or is right. it both? It's a conversation. There are new conversations that we're all having. The thing that I'm super encouraged and optimistic about is that there has been a lot of sharing of information within organizations and across different industries. And so um, like the silver lining that I see almost every day in these conversations is just how open everybody is to sharing and trying to help each other out as we kind of navigate a new normal. And I'm super confident that we will be able to do that. It's just probably gonna look a lot different than what we were used to before. The hashtag, we're all in it together, right? Right. But, but we're all separate. So I, I don't know. It's right. oxymoron. Well, it did force us all to learn how to kind of shift through a digital transformation, like in a crash course. Yeah. So like some of us were already mobile workers and, and used to kind of connecting across geographies. It was a little bit easier for some organizations. They were like, wow, this really highlighted something that we needed to do and it helped us get there faster. Um, so it's just been really interesting to watch. What's the best way that people could get a hold of you, Laura, if they're like, okay, I own a company. I've got a hundred people in my company. I want to get them all back to work and safe. Do they, do they just go to your website? Can they get you that way? Do you want to put out your email or anything like that? Sure, uh, they can definitely email me directly. It's lkirk at color-art.com. Okay, and Sue, same question to you. How can people get a hold of Steelcase? And, or should they go to Color Art to get to you or, or vice versa? Yeah, well, for sure, I'd, I'd ask everybody to check out steelcase.com backslash COVID. Um, so post-COVID, and there's a couple different resource pages that we have there. We have a lot of case studies, a document that people can download. It's a really nice document that talks about this now near far yeah, yeah, uh, kind of mindset and some good checklists. And then always feel free to reach out to me as well. My email is S-H-A-R-K-E-N-H, so H at steelcase.com. Perfect. Well, uh, did we cover everything you wanted to cover? Just stay optimistic and resilient. I think we're all in the middle of what some of our researchers used to say, the friction of transition. And I'd say that we're in that friction of transition right now. And um, that's hard, but it also gives us the opportunity to learn and grow and hopefully be better on the other side of this. Very true. A lot of pressure builds, uh, makes diamonds, as they say, right? A lot of pressure. Ah, yeah, indeed. Awesome. Well, be safe to both of you and good luck to both of you. And if there's anything I can do in the near future, reach out. If there's something, some revelation that happens, please, Laura, Sue, uh, and, and we can do this again for an update, okay? Awesome. Thank you so much, Bob. Take care. Bye-bye.
so positive. That was from a Zoom call I did a couple of weeks ago. I wanted to share that with uh, those of you that are deciders, business owners, managers, trying to navigate these uncharted waters that we are trying to approach as the state and the country is trying to reopen up. But you know what? We will make it through this. We, we will because I have a book that I reflect on quite a bit that takes you back decades, if not hundreds of years of this area and the tough times. And the thing that always hits me is, you know what? I'm here to read this book. They made it through this time and we are going to make it through the time we're in right now. I'll share that with you coming up next on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. It's the voice of St. Louis KMOX. And hopefully you've been enjoying some of our uh, classic Cardinal baseball games that we've been playing back for you. Well, Monday is going to be no different. It's going to be a special day for Memorial Day. KMOX has put together a Jack Buck special that you do not want to miss. From 2 to 3, the beloved Jack Buck will be featured, and then we'll have a Cardinals Classic doubleheader, so you can crack open a cold one and kick back. We'll have a pregame show that starts at 3, and then the game following, and then another pregame show at 6.15. So baseball, that's what you want on Memorial Day, right? Well, KMOX is going to deliver that to you. You know, during these pandemic times, we can, you know, look around, maybe have a bout of anxiety or sadness, go for a walk, you feel a little bit better. You know, a lot of times I'll look back into a book that I've had for a long time that was given to me by Madonna Styers. Uh, she is a, a South St. Louis girl and, uh, she gave me this book a long time ago, and I've just enjoyed it so much. But what this book has done is it has showed me the highlights and lowlights of what St. Louis has gone through. And I understand this is a global pandemic, but, you know, th- this is what St. Louis is going in. This is what we're living in right now. Well, one of the, the stories of this past week from 1844, I mean, that's a long time ago, the Missouri and Mississippi rivers reached the most devastating flood stages in history. After a 10-day steady rise, the waters rose at the incredible rate of 12 inches in 24 hours. It reached houses and stores above the levee, and after May 21st of 1844, the flood began to recede, and by June 7th, the Mississippi was again within its banks. But a 10-day succession of fierce rainstorms brought the river once more to flood stage, Augmented by the rising waters of the Platte, Caw, Osage, Gasconade, Illinois, and Des Moines, by June 15th, the devastation of the flood's second phase had begun. Again, this is 1844, what they, what they you know, survived and dealt with. It did say 500 St. Louisans were driven from their homes, all of East St. Louis, which was then called Illinois Town. It was inundated. By June 23rd, the area near Mill Creek in St. Louis was completely submerged and the business section was flooded as far west as Broadway. The river was then 10 miles wide in some places. Yeah, old Miss. On June 28th of 1844, the waters began to recede, and by the middle of July, the river was back to normal. That's one story. That's from 1844. Another story from this book that was so uh, amazing to me that, you know what? St. Louis has been through a lot, and we've survived. We've come back stronger. Listen to this. This is from May 27th, 1896. The most devastating tornado in its history hit St. Louis. The storm burst suddenly onto the city about 5 o'clock in the afternoon. The violent wind coming from the southwest cut a wide path through the south side. The tornado struck the Lafayette Park area, uprooting trees in the park itself. 
twisting its wrought iron fences and destroying many of the fine homes and churches nearby. Doctors and nurses at City Hospital worked frantically to treat patients after the hospital building was torn apart by the wind. And throughout the whole city of St. Louis in 1896, electric plants were disabled. Gas was cut off. A streetcar line uh, was halted. Many fires started but were quickly extinguished by the blinding rain that continued through much of the night. Eads Bridge was badly damaged. Still stands to this day. Isn't that crazy? This was back May 27, 1896. Uh, the, the Eads Bridge was damaged and boats along the levee were crushed before the storm passed on to East St. Louis to work uh, further havoc. The next business day was halted as the city began to clean up and bury the 138 people dead. Frightening. Just a couple of stories from this past week in history in St. Louis. That book is Francis Hurd Stadler. If you love this town like I love this town, it's called St. Louis Day by Day. Very interesting stuff. But I look back at stories like that and I think, you know what? What we're going through right now, the pandemic, you know what? We will come back and we will be better. We will be stronger. It, It may look different, but we will survive this. I truly feel that in my heart. My name is Bo Matthews. Coming up next, we're going to visit with a buddy of mine who I think is one of the greatest American. He's a guy that I can talk politics with without arguing. Well, at least not walking away from each other. Uh, my buddy Brian is next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. It's The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX, Memorial Day weekend. My name is Bo Matthews, and I think we might have just caught him at uh, at the grocery store picking up beer, uh, but a good American friend of mine who is my my calm in the political beep storm. Uh, he's he's the one guy that I enjoy talking politics with, and sometimes you can get into a conversation with somebody, and you're like, okay, I got to walk away. I got to walk away from this. It's getting crazy. And uh, Brian is a real good friend of mine, and we have never had that situation. I've never had to walk away from you. But happy Memorial Day weekend to you, Brian. Well, happy Memorial Day to you, and uh, and I will try harder. <laughs> to offend me? <laughs> I hope it's so. It's not real politics until you hate each other. <sighs> Come on. No, no. we got to bring this country together, man. Uh, you know what? And, and you would think that that could happen. It, it really amazes me how, uh, how polarizing every single little thing is. And the attention that is put on every little thing that the president does, which, I mean, you know, there needs to be oversight. There needs to be uh, fact-checking. Uh, but he's he's kind of a loose guy. He's got he's obviously loose with his mouth, President Trump. And... But he, he's such a motivator, and I'm not going to I'm not going to hang the Trump banner uh, across my uh, my my house or anything. But you know, I've always respected whoever the president is until I don't respect him anymore. But uh, Trump is 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 just a guy, and and he's very authentic. And I and I say that with an interview that I saw or I heard. Uh, it was on Fox News, which is you know like his his main outlet. And they were talking, it was the morning show, and they were talking about uh, Joe Biden being in his, you know, basement until August or September or whatever. And the uh, news pundits said, hey, if if, uh, Joe Biden needed the coronavirus uh, test or the antibody test, uh, what would you do without even hitting, without even taking a breath? He said, I'd get it to him today. I'd get it to him today because I truly believe that, uh, just like all presidents, that their main core is they do want the best for the country until until we hear otherwise. But maybe right. maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just on an island. Well, the, he, he gets treated. In the, you know, if you were having a general conversation with anybody you know, 
in any of the things that, that Donald Trump would uh, said, uh, like he does in his press briefings, you would never attack him for it. Right. You know, and they're they're not giving him any slack. And, and and I don't know that he deserves a whole lot of slack, but my goodness, the reaching they're doing, you know, when uh, like you keep promoting this drug, I have yet to hear him promote a drug. Right. Well, no, and he he was hopeful for the uh, hydrochlor uh, hydroxychloroquine. Right, but, but he wasn't. But he wasn't promoting it. He was saying it's promising. I, I, I'm encouraged by it. I think this may be something good. But at no point in time has he told the general public, "You need to go out and get you some of this." Right. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, I, you, when they were talking about the disinfectants. You know, so a very a real good friend of mine. I, I talked to him last night for the first time in a while, and and he is. And it's kind of a weird scenario. I, I think he's an intelligent guy. He's a super, super good person. But he absolutely falls into the, the whole leftist scenario. And he and I agree on almost everything. And I'm like, but how can you possibly think that more government is good? Because he's always complaining about the government. Right. And I'm like, and what you're, what you're advocating by going for a Joe Biden or a Hillary Clinton or a Barack Obama or anybody, anybody, certainly anybody that was in the field this time, every one of them wants the government to grow exponentially. How can you, how can you think that's a good idea? And his reply. And, and, and he just started saying, you've been listening to too much Fox. And I'm like, I don't, I don't have Fox. <laughs> oh, you don't. <laughs> I, I, I don't have Fox. Uh, I'll pull up snippets here and there, but, sure. but for the most part, you know, I search out, different opinions on on the internet and and those that give me statistics and cite their sources i'll pay attention to and those that just tell stories I, you know, i'll disregard i might be entertained but i'm not going to consider it truth. you know as we're uh you know enjoying the the memorial day holiday weekend which you know it's it's odd because you know memorial day is really about uh soldiers we have lost uh, but but people take this opportunity to you know cut loose, especially the timing of this coronavirus uh, and COVID nineteen, and you know stay in place orders. The country is opening up in certain areas, and they're saying there's you know there's uh, numbers that are bouncing back up uh, as Georgia has reopened up, and so it's dangerous to do that. But uh, you know you look back at some of the major headlines from this last week, and it actually happened uh, uh, the, a week ago Friday where they started talking about the General Flynn case and how he was actually set up in a big bad way, and it actually broke my heart the fact that it could come and and just tarnish the law enforcement you know in at the federal level the doj the fbi the you know the white house uh you know from barack obama down although barack obama and joe biden are not going to be uh part of this investigation which really blows me away if they were in the meeting i mean it, it, it it's shocking but you know my father you know as well as i as i've shared with you before 47 years with the air force you know committed his entire life and willing to put the uniform back on right now at 76 years old if they asked him to certainly certainly he and i had great, deep, great man he and i had deep conversations in this past week about general flynn and you know on on the on the face of it he he is a just he's a badass soldier and right. and he's a great leader 
all these wonderful things. And that the fact that one administration was talking about not sharing information that, you know, the, the Russians uh, had, had, you know, they had acquired about the Russians, they weren't going to share that with the next incoming, uh, you know, Secretary of Defense or whatever, whatever uh, General Flynn's uh, position was going to be. That to me was horrifying that they would not share that stuff. Well, and, and what's even more horrifying, if you think about it, was the the things that they did and omitted from what they were, you know, from the whole thing to trap him in a in a crime that in reality would never have happened had they not done what they did uh, and ruin a man's life over it. And this is a, you know, this is a, was he a three-star general? Decorated. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, imagine what they'll do to you or me <laughs> right. to get what they want. And that's the amazing part. And, and what, what amazes me even more is that there was nobody in reality that was there to protect him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he was isolated 100%. They, they isolated him from the herd so that they could move on to the next one and try to get him to, to, to lie okay. and to, to implicate somebody. Okay. So let me bring, and, let me bring it around this way and, and, and how I feel now that I'm split down my heart. Uh, because if the uh, previous administration was not willing to share information uh, with our defense department that they had acquired, they were not going to share it with the next administration, the Trump administration coming in. You know, there was talk about that uh, the Obama administration had a playbook for the coronavirus in the future and that the Trump administration did not access it or did not utilize it. Maybe there wasn't one. Maybe they didn't or, share that. Or they just didn't share it. Or they didn't share it, yeah. So they we could leave him possibly- hanging. We can't possibly equip the next president with the playbook so that he can be successful. We can't do that. Yeah. We need to get. We, it needs to be a disastrous four years so that we can get another Democrat in office. Well, time will tell uh, when they work out the how the voting is going to happen with uh, you know the different uh, shutdown and you know. And here, let, let's you and me talk. And I do want to ask what you're doing on your holiday weekend. But you know, isn't it interesting that if you do not have a mask on, you are supposed to be a safe distance, which is six feet away from somebody. Okay, but every retailer I've been into, uh, well, Menards in St. Louis County on Manchester Road, they required a mask, and they they also promoted uh, uh, social distancing. Well, if you have the six feet in between you and somebody else, you don't need a mask. Well, there, there's actually there's data that, that combats that. I knew uh, you would have found it. Bring it to me. And 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 so they actually, I'm I'm trying to I can't remember which outlet it was that that put it on there, but it was a simulation of somebody coughing in a store between aisles and it showed the plume of uh, a vapor that came out of their mouth and depending on what the ventilation system is doing at the time in that building it can travel 20 feet uh, and go up and over shelves and so on and so forth <laughs> okay so okay I, I would say well and then we know the mask is is not to protect you it's to protect those around you from you uh, from you. Yeah, correct. yeah, yeah. Because you're nasty. No, I'm just kidding. Well, <laughs> you got cooties. A maybe a little bit. Uh, don't, want, don't want my cooties. Uh, but by the same token, if you're breathing through your nose and not your mouth and you're not coughing or sneezing, then the mask really isn't doing anything. And if you're going to cough or sneeze, to do so in the crook of your elbow accomplishes pretty much the same thing. Right, right. 
So I can understand people erring on the side of caution and no, you know, but there, there's a limit. I, I personally, I have masks with me. I don't put them on unless it's requested. You know, if there's a sign at the store uh, that I'm going into, that type of a thing. Because, I, you know, even when they give you those little spots that you're supposed to stop at in line, right. I, do- I double the distance. Oh, do you? And okay, I, that's I, nice. Yeah, and uh, there's no need to be any closer than you have to. And, be. and, and the I person re- and the person behind you is going, "Hey, buddy, move on up, move right, on up, yeah, <laughs> move on up." Move on. Most, I haven't had anybody try to to rush me or hurry me, and yeah. and if I see somebody coming out of an aisle, I'll give them plenty of time to exit the aisle before I enter the aisle. Oh, know, yeah. And I think that's going to become commonplace. Yeah. And speaking of good. speaking of the social distancing on this holiday weekend. Uh, since you have, uh, ex- uh, extreme outdoor adventures, is that what it's called? No, <laughs> uh, it is a uh, stream, adventures. Oh, yes, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew stream was in there somewhere. Extreme. Uh, unfortunately, stream adventures has been kind of sit still for a bit, <laughs> but you are out fishing this weekend. So we're down on uh, Lake Norfolk in Northern Arkansas. Good for and, you. Uh, doing some striper fishing. Uh, it looks like everything's lining up, uh, are you keeping a safe distance from your uh, fishing buddy? Well, I've, I've, we've got an 18-foot boat, so uh, <laughs> as, far away, as far away as we can distance. I, I will tell you this, we're in the middle of a lake, so we're distance, uh, very, very well distanced from everybody else. And so an 18-foot boat, so you would have had room for me in the middle. Uh, well, yeah, although I got to tell you, we're both throwing eight-foot fishing poles, so <laughs> you would have been, been in the danger zone. That okay. I I can assure you. It would have been like fishing with my dad. Hey, hey, give me another beer. Oh, okay, I'll get you another yeah, beer. Right. You, you, you could have certainly been the beer winner. That, that would have worked out just fine. All, All right. You're right. holding this for me. Hey, buddy, uh, have a great trip down there while you're gone. And, uh, again, thanks for the time. It's always good to talk to you. Have a, a safe rest of your Memorial Day weekend, Brian, okay? And, and you know what? Wish, tell your dad, and then I'm going to say this to all the other veterans out there, thank you for your service. Very well said, my friend. Thank you very much for your time. Have a safe trip and drive carefully. My name is Bo Matthews. Got some final thoughts I want to share with you about the Memorial Day weekend coming up next on The Voice of St. Louis, KMOX. I'm on sacred ground and I'm in the best to come. This Memorial Day weekend will definitely go down in history as one of the strangest times that any of us have ever lived through and hopefully will be one of the strangest that we'll ever have to live through. But Memorial Day in this country is for honoring and mourning the military personnel who have died while serving in the United States Armed Forces. Although, uh, when Memorial Day comes around, I think about my mom who's passed away. Uh, I think about, you know, family and friends who have passed on. Not necessarily military, but that's that's what the holiday is truly about. And there's a, a lot of great events that are coming up on Monday itself. Jefferson Barracks Wreath Lane is going to be going on on Memorial Day. The U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs National Cemetery Administration will commemorate Memorial Day this year with solemn wreath lane ceremonies, and they will be open for public visitation. So if you have uh, you know, young kids in your family, it might be a good time to go and show your appreciation for those that have gone and fought and lost uh, their lives to this country or for this country. Uh, Belleville Virtual Memorial Day Ceremony. The Catholic War Veterans are going to host a virtual Memorial Day ceremony on Monday at 11 a.m. in lieu of its annual Belleville Memorial Day Parade. The event will be held live-streamed 
on facebook.com cwv post 370 so thank you for you know moving things around to make it uh, happen still uh, even again in this pandemic time we're living in how about a shout out to scott air force base the 932nd airlift wing will fly at c40c over several area hospitals in the st louis area on memorial day as they salute uh the local heroes the 932nd airlift wing air force reserve based out of scott air force base that will begin at noon and there's a schedule on fox 2 now's website you can check that out i know they're going to be flying over jefferson barracks as well so that'll be a place i'll be headed to uh in the middle of the day on monday uh st charles virtual memorial day program they're going to be honoring those who made the ultimate sacrifice for our nation through a virtual Memorial Day program at one o'clock. The uh, program will be available to watch on St. Charles County's social media platforms and cable channel. Those are a couple of things for Monday for actual Memorial Day events. So a shout out to Fox 2 News for having that listed on their website. And a show note for what KMOX is going to be doing on this coming Memorial Day on Monday. On KMOX, you will hear a Jack Buck special from 2 to 3 o'clock in the afternoon, it's a program you do not want to miss. As we're all missing our uh, our St. Louis Cardinals this year, at least, you know, the, the current games, uh, it's a great time to remember the great Jack Buck. And starting at 3 o'clock, we are going to begin the beginning of one of two uh, Cardinals classic double headers. We're at 3 o'clock, there'll be a pregame show and another one at 6.15. So you want to pop a cold one and you want to uh, kick back and maybe barbecue on Memorial Day with baseball? Oh, we've got it for you here at KMOX. And a reminder for you that if you have an Alexa in your house, uh, if you've got a, a, a Bluetooth uh, phone, uh, you've got your tablet, if you do not have the Radio.com app, I encourage you highly to download it now. It's free to download to your device, your phone, your tablet. Hook it up to your vehicle. Hook it up to your Alexa so you can hear KMOX and those ball games and that great voice of Jack Buck uh, on Monday for Memorial Day in crystal clear digital sound. And make sure you share that around, uh, you know, the Radio.com app with your friends. Tell them, hey, you got to download the Radio.com app and crank it on your Bluetooth boombox speaker, whatever it is, and you can enjoy that on Monday. My name is Bo Matthews, and before I let you go, I wanted to tell you that there's a, a company that is called 2A4 Life. And I, I bought a couple of their products uh, six months ago or so, and I let them know. I, I emailed the company, and I said, hey, by the way, uh, I, I do a talk show. Uh, I do a couple of talk shows. I do my show, plus we do Second Amendment Radio on the Great Outdoors um, with Tony Colombo. I reached out to him and said, we'd love to have you as a guest, right? And I also shared with him that I, I do voiceover work. I do narrations. I do on-hold messages, all kinds of stuff. Well, just this last week, they reached out to me with a beautiful script, and it was written in the spirit or in, inspired by the great Paul Harvey. Now, that man is one of my, he is probably my top idol in, in the, the radio business. I learned so much from him, had the opportunity to meet him many years ago. And when this company said, now, we don't want you to impersonate Paul Harvey. We just want you to read this, and it's written in the, the style of God made a, and you might have uh, remembered uh, God made a farmer that they used uh, for a truck commercial a few years ago. So I want to leave you with this project that I did this past week for this company, 2A4 Life, and I hope you enjoy it. I wish you a very, very happy and meaningful Memorial Day weekend. My name is Bo Matthews, and this is the voice of St. Louis KMOX. God created man. 
and man prospered. Civilizations began to grow and expand, and with civilization came disagreements and fights. And God said, my people need a protector. So God gave us soldiers. God said, I need someone willing to protect their neighbors, march for days on end, fight for their country, help their fallen comrades, fight again, and when all hope seems lost, have the strength to say, I'll keep going. So God gave us soldiers. God said, I need someone who will be brave when others are frightened, who will be strong for the weak, and who will stand their moral ground when staring into the face of evil. I need someone who knows that storms are made to test men, and when the storms roll in, he squares his shoulders to the wind and runs into that chaos. So God gave us soldiers. God said, I need someone who is patient enough to teach their younger brother, trustworthy enough to keep secrets, compassionate enough to give the shirt off their back, and so dependable that even when all things are going well in their life, they will heed the call and leave their family at a moment's notice. So God gave us soldiers. It has to be someone who knows I have made the days numbered, God said, and if called upon to make the ultimate sacrifice, they'll take solace knowing, greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. I know I ask a lot, God said, who will take on these tasks? And the soldier simply said, I believe in my God and in my country and in myself. Here I am, send me.